On this episode of Leadership Lessons in Health System Pharmacy, you will hear from Mary Alice Bennett, the 2021 recipient of the Joseph P. Remington Honor Medal. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Leadership Lessons in Health System Pharmacy. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Weber, Chief Pharmacy Officer and Administrator of Pharmacy Services at The Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center. Powered by the Ohio State University Lachalet Leadership Program, this show is designed to keep current and aspiring health system pharmacy leaders up to date with issues, trends, and best practices affecting our profession. You can learn more about the Lashley Leadership Program and the Ohio State University's College of Pharmacy MS and Health System Pharmacy Administration and Leadership by visiting go.osu.edu forward slash pharmacy leadership. That's go.osu.edu forward slash pharmacy leadership. Dr. Lauren Asherman, who is my resident on rotation with me, will be interviewing Mary Alice. It's a special privilege for her to do this. And it's really uh, a testament to Mary Alice that one of my residents on rotation really wanted to interview her for this podcast. So without hesitation, Dr. Lauren Asherman. I want to thank you for letting me interview you today. This is such a privilege to be on rotation with Bob, but also have the opportunity to, to talk with you for a little bit today. Well, I'm glad to be here, and it's a, I consider it a privilege to be interviewed by a resident, so I really appreciate the opportunity to be with you. It's exciting, too, because even in my short time in Columbus, I've had the chance to get to know you, and you've been a mentor and someone that I look up to, so it's a, even though it's a little bit virtual this time, it's, I'm, I'm excited to see what we can talk about in the next 30 minutes. And I, you know, one of the things I enjoy uh, the most as I've uh, no longer uh, teaching at the university is the opportunity I have to interact with the master's students once a year. So it's uh, fun to be with you. <laughs> well, great. So we just want, we introduced you and congratulated you on this amazing honor that you had this year of being the 2021 recipient of the Joseph P. Remington Honor Medal. And this was something that I was learning about. And for those who, who may not know as much like myself about the Remington Medal, would you be able to tell us a little bit more about this honor and about the recognition first? Um, I would be honored to do that. And I'm st still quite in awe of the fact that I have been um, selected to be the 2021 Remington Medal Honor recipient. Um, it is named after Joseph P. Remington. And, um, you know, when I think of Joseph P. Remington, I think of the textbook I had as a student that was a, about six inches thick then that we always mm -hmm. just called the Remington. Um, and uh, I, so I always kind of go back. That's my first thought when I, I think of I think of him. And he is uh, and that was really one of the true contributions that he made as an innovation to pharmacy was to basically bring those recipes and and, and thoughts around how to use those medications together into a textbook. Um, but he is considered uh, uh, one of the great early leaders in pharmacy. Um, he was a community pharmacist. Uh, so that feels really warm to my heart because that's where a lot of my passion lies in creating patient care services. 
Um, he was uh, also a faculty member at the Philadelphia College of Pharmacy, uh, and he was known as a teacher of teachers. Uh, and so I feel like um, I relate to that as well, because uh, I, uh, I've always enjoyed uh, stimulating people's minds to, to become a teacher or a preceptor. Um, and then his one of his major innovations, again, was creating the textbook. Uh, and he also uh, was really big on hands-on learning. He was one of the first people that introduced laboratory instruction into, into teaching. Um, and he had a relationship with um, uh, USP as far as looking then at the quality of ingredients. So he was really kind of the beginning of the movement of that in our profession to uh, create those quality standards and create those magic recipes uh, to be standardized and, and to make sure that they were being uh, taught to be used um, appropriately. He was also very highly involved in association work. He was a member of APHA for 50 years and uh, involved in quite a bit of leadership there and was part of forming the Pennsylvania Pharmaceutical Association as well. So he grew up in APHA and and had a, a broad base of influence on the profession. And that is why this award was named after him originally from, I believe, the Pennsylvania Pharmacists Association and APHA uh, took it over in the late 1800s. Um, and uh, is considered the highest recognition in the profession of pharmacy. Uh, so it is truly a, a great honor. And I really love when I read about him, the parallels around my own career uh, that I could identify with him. Absolutely. Even hearing you talk about, you know, what he did for the profession of pharmacy, I, I really look at what you've done for the profession, too, and see so many related things. Um, when you when you heard that you were going to be the recipient of this this award, what were you what were you thinking? Did you reflect back on anything specific, or were there any like you know moment right away? How how are you feeling? So I I, I think anytime you have a chance to pause, it's it's it feels like a at first I would say it feels like a validation of the work that you've done, uh, but then as you really start to think about it, you're in awe with a the group of people that you now stand with. And so you, you know, you reflect on many of those have been my mentors and have, and have carried the torch forward for the profession and made it better for me to have the opportunities that I had. So there's this sense of awe um, that you have with it as well. And then I think a little bit of fear of the fact that you have to give this <laughs> speech that uh, you yes. feel needs to be so impactful. So it's, it, it's a, a very magical moment, uh, and and in, in a way, a, a scary moment in that in, in the what um, maybe the expectation might be for what you're going to say. Yeah, of course. Well, like you said, this award really looks back at a lot of things within the community. But um, initially, you were you were working in in hospital practice. So, can you maybe tell us a little bit about how you made this switch from hospital practice over to over to the community pharmacy setting? So part of that came from Cliff Lachalet. So in my early years at the hospital, we were first starting uh, clinical services at, when I was a pharmacist. But when I was there as an intern, I always like to share with people that the master's students' research projects were in, implementing unit dose, uh, implementing IV admixtures, uh, setting liaison pharmacists to the floor. Uh, mm -hmm. And so, you know, when you think about your research projects as a, as a resident, 
uh, you never know where that's going to go. And so it could have a huge impact on the profession, as, as many of those projects did in that era. Um, so I was an intern during the, the beginning first steps of going up on the floor and then had the opportunity as a pharmacist to be one of the first pharmacists on the floor. And uh, so, you know, Cliff was certainly an icon in my, in my mind and a, a person um, who was just such a great visionary and, and created such an amazing support system around us for us to be able to uh, go up on the floors and begin to create uh, services that had never even really been dreamt or imagined about uh, maybe five, 10 years before then. Um, and so in the late 1980s, um, uh, Cliff, um, uh, maybe even a little earlier than that, mentioned that we needed to do this in, in ambulatory care and in the community-based setting. And um, for anybody who knows Cliff, he doesn't make those st statements lightly. So you know the next time you see him, he's going to ask you how you were doing on that. Um, and so uh, I really felt uh, I felt his passion and I began to grow my vision around what I felt he was seeing. And so that was really the inspiration that got me started. Uh, but one of the things that I recognized uh, in the transition from being in, in more in a hospital setting into being more in a community setting was I, I just love that interaction with the patient. And so um, the, the concept of moving those patient care services, um, I, you know, I'd had experience in the Amcor care setting at that time, but thinking about moving that you know, where the patient is. I always say where the patient uh, lives and works and plays and prays, uh, where you can encounter them in, in a community-based practice, really, really lit a fire uh, in my heart. And that was um, uh, really felt very inspired to move in that direction. So I think, um, you know, sometimes I thought the skills were, were really very much the same, but in many ways they are very different. Um, because you really rely on the patient so much in the community world. Um, but that the concepts of how you created a practice, how you created relationships, and um, how, you, um, how you would be a leader in those environments were, were very transfer, um, transferable into the community world. It was, it was the medications and the, and the I think I would use the word negotiating with patients to get things done versus negotiating with physicians uh, was uh, probably one of the bigger differences. I always enjoy hearing stories about Cliff as a resident of the program. I really like learning more about how, you know, how he was and how he inspired those who are mentoring me. So that's, that's neat to hear you talk about him too and, and kind of how those skills transferred over to the community. So I felt you know, when I was an intern and an early pharmacist at OSU, I, I didn't encounter, I encountered Cliff through his mentees. So people like Harold Godwin and mm -hmm. Roger Anderson, uh, Larry Schaup uh, were, were all critical people in my day-to-day -day mentoring and, and the support that they created to keep us moving forward. So I, I felt like they channeled Cliff. It was really later in my career that I, I felt like I moved into being um, more of a, a mentee and then a colleague and, and then really a, just a good friend of Cliff's um, who, who did many wonderful things for my career. Um, uh, and I think one of my fondest memories of Cliff was when I, I left the uh, university. My husband and I were married and we went to Rochester, New York, where he actually helped get me a position. Um, and then when I came back, I was standing outside his office 
um, talking to a couple pharmacists and he came out the door and said hello and walked down the hall and turned around and came back and he said, are you here looking for a job? And I said, yes. He said, you have one. And I've, I've just, I've, that is probably one of the proudest moments in my life that on a dime, he would think enough of me um, to hire me back um, back in the, the early part of my career. And that's when I came back to be, uh, to practice on the floors. Um, so I, I have a lot of admiration for Cliff and he um, was such a great visionary, but also such a great mentor and really worked hard to not just grow the people for his practice at OSU, but he, he really wanted you to go out and do things other places and make it happen for the profession. Mm-hmm. So you moved into the community setting and working more directly with patients. And tell us a little bit more about the Ohio State Pharmaceutical Care Clinic and the impact that that really had on our pharmacy practice. So the Pharmaceutical Care Clinic was really a, a, a brainchild of moving the students from learning in a lab to moving students to learning in in a real life environment. And so the College of Pharmacy took over the clinic pharmacy um, in the probably the mid 1990s. And um, we created an arm called uh, Clinical Partners. uh, And we we acquired the anticoagulation management service from the hospital. And that became the first service in in the uh, clinical partners. But the idea of the clinical partners arm was to create those patient care services. And um, one of the services that was the, uh, a lipid management program. Um, and that got started with a, a grant and partnership with the APHA Foundation on Project Impact uh, Hyperlipidemia. Uh, and later we were involved in diabetes and did health risk assessments. And, and so we really grew that, that side moving into more chronic disease state management. Um, but the nice part about it was you were working also in, in the space where they were going to pick up their prescriptions and um, you had the opportunity to um, uh, have the product available for, for the patient as well as providing those services. Um, so that, that clinic was designed, built on the philosophy of uh, having you know, a live laboratory for students to learn. And it uh, was one of the first residency sites uh, to, to train uh, community-based residencies, PGY1s, um, in the patient care services. Yeah, that's great. Um, so speaking of residencies, uh, you also helped like lead uh, the, one of the first in the nation postgraduate PGY1 and PGY2 community practice pharmacy residency programs that's also combined with the Master of Science in Health System Pharmacy Administration with an emphasis on community training. Um, and so now it's really established between we have the partnership here with Kroger and the Ohio State's College of Pharmacy. So what was that a, a part of the inspiration that you saw in, in the care clinic that sort of inspired that or kind of what else was leading to that when you were working on those initiatives? So I would have to give Bill Sheridan with the Kroger company, the person with the credit for being the person who really inspired um, moving in that direction with a PGY2 and administration in the community world. Um, you know, as they were creating patient care services at Kroger, we had a PGY1 community-based residency with Kroger, which was a really strong partnership. And as they were looking at to move their patient care services, um, you, know, not, you know, not just at one store, but as a standard of practice across their stores, they realized they didn't really have that administrative capacity that understood patient care services 
um, in the in the tiers above in, in administration, and they were looking at what were the potentials of how could we train people uh, to do that. And so, you know, the first thing that came to my mind was my longstanding um, interactions with that master's program and, and knowing the great leaders that had come out of the PGY1, PGY2 um, administrative program at Ohio State, I automatically went to, why don't we create a, a similar model in the community world? And we had the master's program that was already in place um, and we could modify the PGY2 administration to fit more into the um, community-based world. Um, and so we moved forward with our first resident, resident who was uh, Bridget Long, who's Bridget Groves today. Uh, and that was really an exciting adventure because in many ways it brought, it brought together the worlds that I, that had been a big part of my profession. So it brought together the, um, what I knew of as a leadership that came out of that program from working in the medical center, um, from teaching in the master's program, and then my passion about community-based practice. Um, and then certainly my respect and admiration for what the Kroger company uh, was trying to do. They were really early leaders. And I, and I will share that um, we had our first partnership with Kroger in 1992 and it, it, it didn't work. Um, and, and I always admired Bill, Bill Sheridan that in 1995, 96, he was willing to try again. Right. Uh, and they actually hired the first of uh, the second resident that came through our community program a shared faculty position with Kroger, and, and their program really evolved through that with uh, Dr. Kristen Casper um, and then Tara Green as well. Uh, and so the, kind of this, the next automatic step was evolving into creating those people then that could take those patient care service concepts and, and make them more universal across the Kroger company um, and be leaders in, in, in the implementation of those services. Um, and so I'm I, there are six programs across the country that are accredited in that community um, arm of, of the PGY2, um, and there are several other in the pipeline. So I, I feel like it is going to be uh, one of the uh, programs of the future, um, and, they, and, they, and many of them have ended up in the ambulatory care arena of healthcare systems because that, they're really looking for those skills um, in that outpatient uh, arena as well. Yeah. As one of my as one of my co-residents in the program, I really value having co-residents that are in this community-based program. They just provide a unique perspective that I don't get to see in the health system. And, and so I really I really value that collaboration and that diversity in the program. Do you think there was any like what do you think really led to being successful the second time around? Do you think there were big practice changes or kind of what do you think? What do you think changed things the second time? So I feel like uh, as an innovator, um, as an entrepreneur, most things you try don't work or at least don't have longevity. They, be they become the kind of the lessons learned. Um, I'll share a story that in 1992, we, we got a rather large grant to start that project. And I was presenting at a district for AACP and um, NABP meeting uh, of, of what we were going to do. And someone came up to me afterwards and said, just get it done and tell us why it didn't work. And, <laughs> and I was just like, what? <laughs> you know, I, I never even entered my mind that it wasn't going to work. Um, yeah. And I, I remember that so well uh, th through the rest of the times when I was trying to create new practices is that many times when you try something first, it, it doesn't work, but you learn from it. And that builds the sustainability for innovations later. So I, I think we really built on what we learned 
um, we created a much stronger partnership and relationship uh, and stayed much more connected in that partnership. And then having an actual person um, who had a shared faculty position who was present in, in that practice, um, may, I think made a huge difference as well. Um, and then things were happening more on a national level and there was more opportunities to network nationally and, and share lessons learned and, and create models that were more sustainable. Um, so I think that the market was, in, uh, was more receptive. Um, I think pharmacy in many ways was more receptive. Um, mm-hmm. But I think having a, 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 an innovative person who could be physically present in that practice uh, that the university invested in, uh, I think really certainly made that, made it happen more viably um, the second time. But I give Bill Sheridan a lot of credit for trying, trying one more time. <laughs> trying again. Yeah. I think as, uh, as pharmacists, our, our nature to, to be entrepreneurial and give something a shot without ironing out all the details sometimes goes against how we were trained. So that's, it's always good to hear. Sometimes you just got to try it out and, and make it better, you know, the next time or the next iteration. And I think that's one of the great things that I learned in my early years as a clinical pharmacist on the floor. Nobody gave us a formula. Nobody gave us a roadmap. Uh, we went up there and we all tried different things and we shared, shared them with each other. We worked really well together. You know, if I got, you know, I was really focused in the area of renal. Um, but if I had an infectious disease qu- question, there was somebody else that I could go to that, you know, I didn't feel like I needed to know everything. And we, and we really supported and, and took care of each other. Uh, and so I, I think those were that those were really critical um, skills that we needed when we when we innovated, but we didn't know what we were going up there to do. And um, I think I think today sometimes we worry too much and and try to restrict too much, and um, we want all the answers before we go try something. And that's just not how the entrepreneurial world works. Yeah, <laughs> have to be nimble and adaptive. Yes, and not afraid of the risk as well. And, and, and pharmacists are pretty risk averse. That I'll have to say. <laughs> Um, so I, that it's, uh, um, and I think even it might be a better way to say this risk sharing. Uh, so it's not, you know, the risk isn't all on your shoulders. Let's talk about your collaboration with Dr. Stephanie Cook for the creation of your university health connection. Maybe just telling us a little bit about what that process was like and how you identified the need for establishing this clinic. Dr. Stephanie Cook is one of the most visionary physicians I think I've ever met. And she certainly uh, was very open to collaboration. Um, I'd heard many times that she was a person that I needed to connect with. And when we finally had that opportunity, um, it came out of working at in the pharmaceutical care clinic. Uh, and I would started practicing with her a couple days a week, and we eventually brought a resident into that practice as well. Uh, and so, the, the more we worked side by side, the more Stephanie and I could see the opportunities for integrating pharmacy more into the clinic. And and she was such a believer. I mean, uh, you know, I could hear Stephanie going down the hall saying, "I love my pharmacist. That uh, <laughs> such a great champion and, and a great supporter." Um, but as we started, the clinic she worked in was called Prompt Care, and it was urgent care for faculty and staff at the university. And as we worked side by side, um, more and more we realized that the potential of what, what we could do in, in an interprofessional clinic uh, to, to not only help with urgent care, but with chronic disease management, with health and wellness services, 
and, and create an environment where, where faculty felt um, uh, welcomed and, and, and uh, um, a part of their care. Uh, and I really think of University Health Connection as being um, a clinic well before its time. Uh, and it was, it was, it was uh, an interdisciplinary collaboration. Uh, it had a, a, a tiny small pharmacy in it, so you left with your medications. Um, it was based on a value-based model with a health plan. Uh, and it was a great place to train residents again in a futuristic model. Uh, so we had both PGY1 and PGY2 residents there. Um, and I certainly credit uh, Dr. Chris Green, um, who was the first resident there and stayed on as a full-time uh, pharmacist as one who really brought the heart and soul of pharmacy um, into that practice. But I, I think, think back into the days uh, when I was at, uh, working on the floors at the um, at the hospital where I really learned that physician champions can make all the difference. And um, knowing that that to do something like this uh, uh, really required that physician champion uh, of Dr. Stephanie Cook. And that's great to hear about your collaboration with her. Well, thanks for sharing all of those um, insights that you had about things throughout your career. Just a couple of last minute questions. I'd uh, love to hear maybe something that is interesting that you're reading or listening to um, that's been inspiring to you or something that you've learned that you wanted to share with the group? So I have been doing a lot of self-reflection um, on um, my own uh, personal relationship with racism. Uh, found that I was pretty naive to a lot of the terms that I was hearing. And uh, so I would say it's been more of increasing my own self-awareness. Um, and I would say recently a book that I've read that uh, I'm not quite finished with it. I'm actually reading it with a couple of friends is See No Stranger by Valerie Carr. And it is, uh, she's an activist. Um, it's, it's called A Memoir and Manifesto of Revolutionary Love. Um, and it really just has so many things in it that um, apply to today to a variety of different settings uh, um, around bias. Uh, and so I, I Feel like I've really learned uh, a great deal from that book. And another one that certainly is not on the bestsellers list, it was written by a, a brother of a friend, is called uh, Forgive Us to Stay Our Daily Bread by, by Chad Hale. And it's really a series of his newsletters. He's a, a minister that worked in um, an inner city uh, church and uh, they created food co-ops. And it, it just in hearing stories, people's stories, just we really became alive of what uh, the challenges are um, uh, in in the environment that he was working in, and it, it really I felt like I learned a, a great gained a great deal of understanding. And then I think the third book I would tell you about is that um, I, I love nature, and I've been reading a book uh, called The Hidden Life of Trees and, and learning how they communicate with each other. So that that's kind of a um, kind of pulling it, pulling me out of the, of the world that has so much noise right now and, and, and reaching back into to nature in the middle of this winter. Yes, very informative and some diverse options that you've been looking into too. <laughs> um, lastly, do you have any advice for, um, there's lots of residents that will be listening to this. So do you have any last minute words of advice for us residents? So I would say you're entering pharmacy in a time when being an entrepreneur or um, an innovator or just thinking outside the box and taking pharmacy 
someplace new. It's, it's, it's a really ripe time for that. Uh, so I, I think take the risks, be creative, um, look, look at opportunities beyond the known. Um, I, I tell people when I mentor them that I believe your favorite job we don't even know exists right now. <laughs> so I think keeping your eye on where the profession's going uh, and being creative and thinking outside the box and taking the risk to get there is what, what I would advise. Thank you for your time today. And thank you again for letting me step in and interview you. I, I really appreciate the opportunity. I hope you had, I hope you had fun. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Leadership Lessons in Health System Pharmacy. And if you found this interview helpful to your own professional development, please do us a favor and share the good news with your colleagues and leave us with a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts each and every week.